This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. From MPB Think Radio, this is Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Nancy Lodridge-Anderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Tapp, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They are co-authors of Piggy Planet, Prudent Investors Get Going Young. IRAs and Roth IRAs, what's the difference, and when should you contribute to which one? We'll talk about the contribution limits and withdrawal minimums on our show. You can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. So good morning. Hope that you're both doing well this morning. Uh, had a kind of a quiet fourth. I think the fact that it was uh, on Sunday, at least in, in my book, kind of threw things off. But uh, went over to a friend's house and uh, had a nice uh, so barbecued chicken, some uh, potato salad, and I made some... Uh, what you would do on the 4th, yes. <laughs> there you go. Made some sorbet to go along with it, some lemon Ooh, lime Oh, you got sorbet. fancy. Yeah. Oh. Instead of homemade All vanilla right, ice Kevin, cream, right? okay. Uh, and so anyway, um, but um, the, my, my friend's mother thought it was a lemon lime, and it was a little too tart for her, so she didn't particularly <laughs> like it. Uh, but the rest of us did, so that's, that's good. Uh, Nancy, what about uh, financial news in the news? Well, it seems like this fourth has a um, psychological bearing on us after living through this year and a half of the pandemic, almost. And uh, we had the fourth as a deadline that we're going to have these gatherings. We'll be able to reach this point of vaccination, which we're close, not quite there. But I'm watching consumer confidence. And I'm always just reminded that markets are about people. People aren't always rational. We're emotional beings. And we have an index that measures how we feel. And when we feel good about our lives, our jobs, um, what's in our wallet, then we spend. And when we spend, the economy grows. And so we're watching that consumer confidence inch up into very high territory. And that's good news for the rest of the year. All right, Ryder, what about you? What have you been seeing in the financial news this week? So one of the things that I've been watching kind of our alternative sources of data has been the TSA, uh, uh, Transportation Security, Safety, Security, Administration. Safety, I think. Mm. What, what, it should what, be TSSA. What, what are they doing? Uh, so they have been they have been publishing the making numbers. Making me throw out my water. They have been making you throw out your water and confiscating your small change to keep us safe on airplanes. They have been keeping track and publishing the number of people who come through airport security every day. And last year they started publishing it because that was of great interest. You know, how has air travel been impacted? And so on a normal day, say about 2 million people people go through U.S. airports. And last year at the lowest, uh, sometime in April, I want to say, it was below 90,000. So That's just crazy. A, an ab- a tiny fraction of the number of people who are going through. Well, last year, uh, so Fourth of July weekend, big travel weekend, normally you see 2 to 2.8 million people going through checkpoints. Last year, it was about 700,000, so about a third or a quarter of the number of people. This year, we are back up to 2.1 million people that have been flying all weekend. I imagine today being the observed Fourth uh, of July for many people's work schedules, then this will see, a, again, a pretty big, pretty big numbers of people flying today. So air travel is back. Um, Travel is back. And that's what's interesting to me to see how our spending is shifting from Mm -hmm. buying things online or buying things for our houses Mm -hmm. to now we're spending on travel and services and those things as we get out of the house. 
I think I shared a story uh, maybe last week about my buying a, a ticket and I chose the wrong destination and yeah right I remember that okay and I think I left it as I had applied <laughs> for a refund and they denied it mm-hmm I went to my credit card statement, and I had a credit. Well, you oh, just good. need Way to, to apologize to them. Well, I, never, I didn't say anything wrong. I didn't criticize <laughs> the airline. I, you know. I don't know. We talked about it on the radio, we did, Kevin, a lot. I think. Well, I, I, but that's true. So that's why I wanted to update the situation. <laughs> Maybe they heard you. I don't know, but it was yeah, strange. They didn't, they didn't know you were an influencer. Either that or it was, um, the, it was already refunded, and then when I asked for the refund, they said, you're not getting it twice. I don't know. Anyway, mm. all's well that ends well. I didn't have to pay for the ticket that I didn't use. And, uh, my friends in Charlotte will just have to wait. Uh, I don't really know anybody there anyway. So, <laughs> All right, we're going to be talking about uh, IRAs this morning, not the Irish Republican Army, but the individual <laughs> retirement account. Um, we're going to go backwards and learn about new rules concerning RMDs, Required Minimum Distributions. Nancy, let's start with you. Why have RMDs? Well, the money that you put into a retirement account is tax-deferred. You don't pay federal income tax on that money. You actually get a tax break when you put it in there. And the growth on it is never taxed. So eventually the IRS wants their money, and the way they're going to get their money is through this calculation when you reach age 72 called a required minimum distribution. And the idea being that over the remainder of your life, you're going to start taking that money out. And that means every penny you pull out of that retirement account is a penny of taxable income. Um, So... um when do you have to start taking these, Ryder? So you now have to start taking required minimum distributions at age 72. It used to be 70 and a half, which you can go and was listen confusing. to our back. Oh. I, 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 I loved it. I thought that was a very good way of doing the age, uh, but apparently I was on my own in thinking that. But now it is in your 70. Second year, wherever, whenever your birthday falls in your 72nd year, that's when you start taking those required minimum distributions. So for most folks, and, and they push that, so they push that later, you know, reflecting that people are working longer and people just want to delay and those living a longer, longer too. working longer, living longer. But it's still it's it's a it's a calculation based on based on your life expectancy. So you take a percentage of that account every year. You know, hopefully it continues to grow and and you can you can take a little bit more every year. And so, Nancy, everyone who has an IRA, Roth, non-Roth, young, old, man, woman, child, everybody eventually has to take these Eventually, yeah. That's the whole idea, that eventually um, the IRS will collect tax on that and whatever that has grown to be. And, and furthermore, you can have an inherited IRA. So if you, because, oh, does everyone have to take an, IRA, uh, an RMD? Well, say you, you, you die before you're done taking all the money out of the account, you will pass that on to somebody. They then will take required minimum distributions. And that depends a little bit on who inherits it. If it's a spouse, they basically treat it like it's their own IRA. If they want to, they can keep taking your required minimum distributions or they can take their own required minimum distributions. Whereas if you pass it on to a child or a sibling or a friend, someone who is not a spouse, then they have the new rule is they take that out within 10 years. That's the required distribution period. It's still a little unclear to us 
if that needs to be a distribution every year or simply a single distribution after 10 years. Um, do you have to take this all out in one lump sum, or can you do it? No, no. Um, we have a lot of folks that we work with who just use it as a supplement to their income. And so whatever that total amount is required to take out for the year, we'll divide it by 12 and send them that little bit of a, a money each month. Um, so you can take out any way you want to, monthly, quarterly, one lump sum, as long as within that calendar year you have taken out the minimum calculated amount that that you have to take out. If you don't, there's a 50% penalty. All right. And Ryder, are there certain things you could or could not do with these funds? Well, once you take them out, uh, you can do whatever you want with the money. It's your money. But keep in mind, any withdrawals from an IRA, including required minimum distributions, count as income. So you are going to owe income tax on that. And that's just going to depend on what your tax bracket is. This is generally, we just think of this as your top tax rate sort of thing. So that's that's what you can do with the money. As long as you pay taxes, the IRS is okay with you spending it. Um, I had one other question, Nancy, and I don't remember what it is. Hmm. I remember what it was. Is there a penalty if you don't withdraw the money you're supposed to withdraw? Right. It's that 50% penalty. Yeah. And so they they really watch that. And, uh, again, the IRS wants their taxes. And so you have to take it out. Um, a lot of people say, can I put it back in the retirement account? N- no, no, you cannot. You can put it in a separate investment account that's a taxable account where you will then continue to pay taxes on dividends, interest, and capital gains. But it has to stay out of the retirement account. So if you have a question for our experts this morning about IRAs or other personal finance matters, you can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. We're talking about individual retirement accounts, and this is Bunny Talks on MPB Think Radio. South Dining is the show all about the culture of Southern flavor. From fried chicken and collard greens to shrimp and grits and a glass of sweet tea. Subscribe now to the podcast using any podcast app or download our MPB public media app. The information presented on Money Talks is meant to provide general information about the topics discussed and is not necessarily the opinion of Mississippi Public Broadcasting. The information presented does not create any type of relationship between the hosts and guests and the listening audience. Please consult a financial advisor or any other qualified professional for guidance about your personal finance questions. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Our website, moneytalks.mpbonline.org, is one way to hear past Money Talks broadcasts. 
You can also download the MPB Public Media app and listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotcher-Janderson, President of New Perspectives and Ryder Taft Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Got some calls to get to. Why don't we start off the conversation with Michael in Hattiesburg. Good morning, Michael. Go ahead, please. Good morning, guys, and thank y'all for this uh, weekly program and y'all's time that y'all give to this. Y'all really appreciate it. Thanks. Uh, my question is, I, I know with the RMDs, you can have uh, money sent straight to charity, and um, it would not count as income towards you, but it would count against your RMD. Correct. All right. My question is, I'm 69. Could I still have money sent from an IRA straight to a charity and it would not count as income? Uh, no, I believe the law refers specifically to sending required minimum distributions. So, okay. and, and but this is uh, this is a great topic to bring up. This is as Kevin asked, what can you do with an RMD? This is another thing that you can do. But again, it's only with the required minimum distribution. I believe that if you withdrew it before required minimum distribution age, it would just count as income and then a deduction, which kind of defeats the point. One of the beautiful things about sending it directly from your IRA custodian to the charity, never passing through your hands, is that it never counts as your income in the first place. So you you get to take the standard deduction if you're already taking the standard deduction, right. and you get to knock a few dollars off of your income for tax purposes by giving it directly to charity. Right. Thank you very much. I, Absolutely. I appreciate that. Thanks, Michael, for your call. Let's uh, stay on the phone lines. Mike is on the line from Tupelo. It's your turn, Mike. Go ahead. Uh, good morning, and thanks for doing this show. Well, it's a little bit of a complicated issue. I have a beneficiary IRA from my mother who passed away in 2014, and prior to a recent rule change, I think the RMDs were based on the age of the decedent, uh, mm -hmm. and there's been a change, um, and you made reference to a 10-year withdrawal schedule. Mm -hmm. Is that true for uh, uh, the beneficiary IRA that started in 2014? No. So as best we understand, that there that has not changed the status of any existing beneficiary IRAs, and it only applies to folks who died, I believe it's starting January 1st, 2020. So your IRA, you can continue that how you want. But I will say, keep in mind, that minimum distribution is just a minimum. You can always take out more. So if the issue is, oh, this minimum distribution is so small, I would like to wrap this up, you could just take it out. That's that's allowed. Uh, the, the minimum is just to make sure that the taxes owed get paid at some point. Okay. Yeah. Well, we're, we're coming up on a situation where we've got say that beneficiary IRA and then a regular IRA mm. and a deferred comp plan. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to start getting uh, smart with the math here, yep. not, not running over any magic numbers as far as Medicare or mm -hmm. tax brackets. Things That's like that. correct. Yeah, so if you if, if you see, you, you can look forward and, and see that you're going to have income in the future from that MDC, from your other IRAs, and if it makes sense to bring some of that income forward so that you're paying hopefully a lower tax on it now uh, rather than waiting and 
deferring that income even more, it, it may be a higher tax bracket. That's absolutely something to look at. And what we're doing now is talking to our clients about a tax strategy, um, addressing what Ryder mentioned about is it does it make more sense to go ahead and pull more out now or do some Roth conversions so that we move some of that tax-deferred money into a tax-free account? Because as you reference, you could then be affecting not only your taxes and the tax rates, but then the premiums you are paying on your Medicare policies. And so it becomes a big deal. We have so many people that we work with who've done it right. They've saved through those employer plans, but that ends up being such a huge part of their investment portfolio. And they are facing a big tax bill down the road. And we also are looking at overall policy and overall U.S. budget thinking. We're going to see higher tax rates in the future. So maybe it's wiser just to go ahead and pay the taxes now. Can you speak about the Roth conversions from, say, the standard of the beneficiary IRA for people who are in in their 60s and 70s? Well, um, we used to have a limit on who could convert to a Roth IRA, and that limit was based on a $100,000 income. That limit was taken off. And so now we're looking at people, once they hit in their 60s, and we have maybe until 72 with the required minimum distribution, now we've got 10 or 12 years where we can gradually start to uh, eat into the tax-deferred piece and pull it down. And the other big advantage of that is the less you have in that tax-deferred piece, that's a great way to pass on to your heirs because now if it's passed on as a Roth, there's no tax consequence for them to take that money out versus if it stays in a tax-deferred account, they're going to have 10 years where they're going to have to take out large amounts. And and I want to add to that because I created a monster of a spreadsheet which continues to get um, feature updates, I'll say, to it on calculating how much it's worth for someone to make a Roth conversion. And there were a couple of things that really stood out to us because of the change in the way it's inherited. So if you don't mind passing on a huge tax liability to people, then that's fine. Go pass on a huge tax liability to, to, to whoever. But if you want to minimize that as well, so to minimize the total taxes due to that uh, IRA because of the new way that it's withdrawn the over 10 years, that can end up being a much higher tax situation, especially if the person who, who inherits it is already working. So it really, we used to look at Roth conversions We'd say, okay, well, we don't want to push you into too high a tax bracket this year, so we're going to do this small conversion, and we'll just convert a little bit, and that'll be good. We're looking at it now where it actually makes sense in some cases to push into a higher bracket, to be a little more aggressive now, to pull a lot of the taxes forward, because we're looking at one when it is passed on is going to be a high tax situation and two we're looking at higher taxes in the future when we had the tax cuts in 2016 those were set to expire there's sunsetting over several years i believe there's some provisions starting to sunset this year so we know they're going up from that and then just if they go up because the government needs money they'll go up Okay. Well, great. Thank you for that uh, that advice. And, yeah, time to start doing some serious planning. Keep up the good work, guys. Thank oh, you. Thank you. Thanks, Mike, for your call. We will stay on the phone lines. Uh, next, we're going to go to Mac in Meridian. Mac, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. 
right, thank you. Um, I recently changed jobs, and my last job was my first one with a 401k. I was wondering, what is the um, considered the best options for what to do with my old 401k? Should I roll it into my new uh, job, change it, roll it over to an IRA, a Roth IRA? Well, that depends on um, your current 401k. Is it a good plan? Is it a low expense plan? Do you have good options for your investments? If so, and it allows you to pull that money in from a previous employer, that would be the way to go, to make it easy to have it all one in one place so you can manage that more effectively. If not, then you want to consider rolling it to an IRA, an individual retirement account, and you would have several choices of where to put that, but you want to put it someplace where, again, you have good investment choices and low expense ratios, but by putting it into an, um, an IRA rollover, then you are directing it yourself. So you have to know what you're doing there. All right. Thank you so much. All right, uh, Mac, we appreciate your call. We've got another caller on the line. We'll talk to uh, Benny from Kosciuszko. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Go ahead. Hi. Good morning. Um, I just wondered, I make contributions to a, um, I think she said it was an IRA simple account, mm-hmm. and I turned 72 soon, and I will still be making deposits into that account. So do I take money out and put money in? Yes. With a simple account, so the only one where you can delay the requirement of distributions is a 401k. I believe that is still the case. Again, the rules changed a lot uh, in the past two years. They changed a couple of times. But with a simple or a SEP or a regular IRA, the new rule is you can continue to contribute. Uh, and with a simple account, that's an employer account anyway. Right. However, if you are 72 or, or over, then you do have those requirement of distributions. So, yes, you put money Money in, but you also have to take money out. We actually have a few people who are in that situation, and it, it doesn't. You can't. You can't even net it out. So you you have to actually make the deposit and actually make the withdrawal. And being able to put money back in when you're 72 means that you have earned income, and you've said you're working somewhere. And more and more people are working later into those ages, and so that's when that pops up. Okay. All right. Thank you. Thanks for your call, Benny. We've got some open phone lines. If you have a question for our financial experts here on Money Talks, the number is one eight seven seven mpb ring It's one 672 7464 You can send an email to money at mpbonline.org. <clears throat> so Benny just mentioned one. Ryder, what is a simple IRA? So a simple IRA is... Let's can you do can, it? Let's can you do I, it? I I want to say that the, the acronym S is savings. So savings incentive match plan plan for employers. I think L E. Yes, that's it. It's It's got a lot of words in it. But the idea is that it is a retirement account, a, a workplace retirement account designed for small employers. I believe it's up to 50 or up to 100 up to employees. 100. Up to 100 employees is the rule there. And basically, it's the employer themselves can set up. They often have someone, a financial advisor. We we run a couple of simple plans for employees. So we are the experts on hand who can help the employees set the plans up, be on hand to kind of help them and encourage them to save, help them with small financial issues that may come up. 
but also just administer the plan, you know, depositing the checks, getting that invested, making sure that it is it is behaving the way that the employee uh, the employee originally wanted it set up. So that is that is one of the many uh, types of IRAs, but it is specifically for small employers, and it has a higher contribution limit than a regular IRA. So a regular IRA, folks can put in about $6,000, $7,000 if you are over uh, 50 and a simple IRA, you can put in 13500 So the simple plus the individual retirement account, that adds up to be the 401k amount is one way to think about it. But um, it does have a lower limit than your employer 401ks or 403bs. Mm -hmm. The reason you would choose to go with a simple versus a 401k is it is like the acronym. It's very simple. Just a few Mm -hmm. pages for an employer to set that up. Uh, You don't have the expense of a formal plan Mm -hmm. and the expense of administration. So for smaller companies, it's a way to offer some sort of retirement to your employees without it costing you a whole lot. It's what we do at our company. We have a simple plan. We're talking about inherited IRAs or setting up an IRA, whatever you'd like to know about individual retirement accounts. This is Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. Richard Gershon from the University of Mississippi School of Law, host of In Legal Terms. If you're enjoying this podcast, I encourage you to listen to In Legal Terms, the show about you and your rights. We find interesting legal topics to bring to you and let you know how the law affects you. Find In Legal Terms on any podcasting platform on your smart device or on our website, inlegalterms.mpbonline.org. I'm Jen White with NPR. If you're fortunate enough to have collected a few classic cars over the years, here's a thought. Give them a new life by donating one or more to support this station. They'll be matched with interested buyers, collectors just like you who know a great car when they see one. You free up some space in the garage, the classic car gets a new home, and proceeds support this station. It's a win-win. Thanks in advance. Donate your car, motorcycle, boat, or RV by going to mpbonline.org. Money Talks is MPB Think Radio's personal finance broadcast. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lotter-Janderson, president of New Perspectives, and Ryder Taft, portfolio manager at New Perspectives. They're both chartered financial analysts. Ryder holds the Certificate in Investment Performance Measurement from the CFA Institute. I have a caller on the line, but we also have an email to get to, so let's uh, read the email first. And it says, you mentioned that IRAs will have to take the RMD after age 72. 
Does that apply to Roth IRAs? Does no. It? No. Okay. That's, the, that's the huge advantage of a Roth IRA. Easy answer. <laughs> uh, is not the money from a Roth IRA tax-exempt since they were post-tax money? Correct. And if so... It's not... Well, it's... Yeah, it is. If so, is this not a good reason to invest in a Roth IRA? It is, and a lot of 401ks are now offering a Roth option. So you can choose what portion of your money goes to the traditional 401k, which gives you tax deferral and a tax break, and which part goes to the Roth, which you don't get a tax break, but it grows tax-free. And so if you're not really sure, we usually end up telling people to at least split it, you know, have half go in one direction and half the other, and you're going to see a huge advantage when you retire. And uh, I will put out that having a good amount of money or a good part of your money in a Roth IRA when you retire is a great situation because that is money. When you look at it, that is that there's no tax liability from that. When you look at an IRA or 401k, that is all going to be future tax paid. That's so the bigger that is, the more tax you're going to be paying in the future. But you, you don't get too carried away by the, the tax-exempt-ish nature of it in the future if you are in a high bracket now. In, uh, plenty of people, you can look at it now. It is worth it, especially if you are in a high bracket and close to retirement, if you are in your 60s, because that money that you put into an IRA, it doesn't have that long to grow if you're going to be withdrawing it in a few years. Uh, the beauty of the Roth is that if you put the money in and you have a long time before you need to withdraw it, it can grow so much, much, much more. And so the tax deferral the, on, on the growth is is super valuable in that situation. But, of course, for, for anybody, it's not just, oh, this one, you don't pay taxes in the future. That's not, that's not the end of the analysis for you. So you can have more than one IRA account. Yes. Absolutely. All right, back to the phone lines for a brief moment here and talk to Mary Ann in Jackson. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Ryder mentioned earlier that there is a difference in the required distributions from an IRA and from um, 401K. Could he say a little more about what those differences are? So the difference is that if you are still working, you can delay your required minimum distribution for from a 401k. As far as what the amounts are and the other general rules, they're the same. They come into play at age 72. They're based on your life expectancy, and they must be taken. And if you delay your 401k required minimum distributions, you have to take them later. So it's not it's not some beautiful nuanced trick that you can pull. It's it's that if you're still working and you don't want to take it this year, you you may be able to to delay it. So Nancy, once you've set up your IRA, uh, how often do you need to reevaluate your situation and your plan? Well, typically once a year will be fine to look at the investments and maybe changing those investments as you age and getting a little bit more conservative. I typically encourage young people starting out that are contributing to IRAs to be as aggressive as they possibly can. Go all stocks because you have a long time before you can start taking it out. So we still have that 59 and a half 
the age rule, which means if you take it out before that time, you're going to have a 10% penalty in addition to the tax that you pay. Now, there are some exceptions to that, and uh, it's usually the way I can uh, encourage some younger folks to set up an IRA because uh, a couple of exceptions are first-time purchase of a house up to $10,000 and for educational expenses. Um, so, Ryder, what about uh, rules concerning contributions? Well, I mean, is there a limit to how there much? Are, there are contribution limits. That is the key thing. And especially when you're talking about folks just getting started, maybe you have a teenager working part-time, you want to con- contribute to a Roth or a regular IRA for them. The contribution limit is the lower of $6,000 or their earned income. So if you have a summer job, you earn $2,000 and you want to contribute to a Roth IRA, you can contribute up to that two thousand dollars of earned income if you are over the age of 50 you get a one thousand dollar catch-up contribution to add to that six thousand dollar upper limit and that is for both the traditional deferred ira and the Roth IRA. So those both have the same limits for just the individual account. The ones that are hybrid or partly employer plans, such as the simple IRA and the SEP IRA, they have some different rules around them. With a simple IRA, those contributions have to come directly off of your payroll. Those contributions, it is a higher limit on the employee side. Again, the employee contribution we said earlier was $13,500. There is, I believe it's $3,000 catch-up contribution for those over the age of 50. And the employer contribution is, is extra. It's on top of that. As long as... There is a there's an overall contribution limit of all these types of accounts. That limit has gone up, but I believe it's something around. It, I believe it's fifty three thousand dollars. So this is between if you have a four hundred one k and you're doing an IRA and you have employer contributions, the total total that you can put you and the employer can put into those accounts in a given year is fifty three thousand. Again, there's a catch up. I believe that is five thousand. So. There's a number of just limits there, and those would be the rules around contributions. Uh, there are some some dates that are important for contributions with a with again a simple IRA or any payroll type thing. Your payroll deductions have to come in the year, the, the calendar year that matches with the tax year, and generally your employer has the 30 days or so to get that money in there. Matches can come. At the end of the year with 401ks, they will often have something like profit sharing distributions for some employees. Those can come a little later in the year for SEP plans. Those contributions can come much later in the year, as late as the October tax deadline. Again, these are employer plans. And for the individual account, that's the big thing. The deadline is when your taxes are due in April. April and as well last year and this year when they delayed the tax deadline they also delayed the IRA contribution deadline. Now one thing to remember if you are doing your own individual retirement account we've talked about what we call a traditional 
IRA and a Roth IRA, the two main types, the total maximum contribution, if you're a younger person, is $6,000. You can't do 6000 in a Roth and then 6000 in That's a traditional. Yes. Um, you can. The total has to be that 6000 It can be split among those two. The other thing you need to watch out for is whether you get a tax break on a traditional IRA or whether you can participate even in a Roth depends on your household income limits. And you have higher income limits for Roth IRAs, which is why if we have somebody that doesn't qualify to do just the tax deductible, we'll say go to the Roth IRA. Higher household limits, somewhere in the 175 to 195 range, depending on your household. Um, so there are all kinds of rules about the limits based on income, so watch out for those. And as Ryder mentioned, you don't have to just simply do your employer plan. You can do that employer plan, that 401k, and you may still layer it on with an individual retirement account. Let's go to Memphis for our next call. Bill is on the line. Bill, you're on the air with us. Go ahead. Thank you for taking my call. I have two quick questions. One, a young person, can they put a maximum of 100% of their income into an IRA? It's it's 100% of their earned income up to $6,000. So, Thank you. Yep. Second question is more complex. I'm an old person. How is there a down and dirty method to calculate how much above my RMD I can withdraw before paying taxes? Um, are you talking about before paying taxes or, or before going into the higher tax bracket? Before, well, I guess before paying taxes. Well, if you if you make over... Twelve thousand dollars. Well, plus plus a little more. I'm not quite sure what the standard deduction for your age is. Then you're 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 paying taxes. You have to pay taxes uh, for for a single person. For a married person, of course, the standard deduction is higher. I would suggest consulting your CPA. And um, that's why I'm calling you. <laughs> we're not CPAs, and we don't know your specific tax situation. Yeah. That's the problem. That depends on your yeah. what is your, all of your other income and what your RMD is. Right. Um, I mean, you have to consider Social Security, which is not fully taxed. You have to consider everything else that's coming your way. What is the amount of that RMD? So that is a very individual situation that you have to look at to figure out what can you do. I'm going to... Thank you. I, I know it was a complicated question. Yes. Well, it's okay. it, it is it, once you have those numbers in hand, what what is all of your income from all of your sources? What is your RMD, and you know what is your what are tax rates today? I, it's a fairly straightforward thing, but that's we don't we don't have those we don't know numbers. those details. On Money Talks this morning, we're talking about individual retirement accounts. We'll have more after this.
Hi, I'm Dr. Jimmy Stewart, Professor of Internal Medicine and Pediatrics at the University of Mississippi Medical Center. On the original Southern Remedy, we answer questions about all aspects of your health and share some of the latest medical information in the news. You can listen to the show on Wednesdays at 11 on MPB Think Radio, or you can subscribe to the podcast by searching for Southern Remedy on your preferred podcasting app. This podcast is a local production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting and depends on the support of listeners like you. If you can, please donate today at mpbonline.org. And thanks. We're glad you found our show Money Talks. Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Nancy Lockridge-Anderson, President of New Perspectives, and Ryder Chap, Portfolio Manager at New Perspectives. Here's a reminder, Tuesdays at 10 a.m., listen live to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. It immediately follows Money Talks. So we've got a caller on the line, so let's say good morning to our friend Danny in Pascagoula. You're on the air. Go ahead. Hey, how's everybody doing? I hope y'all had a good July 4th. We did. How are you doing, Danny? <laughs> oh, taking it easy and counseling some of our teenagers. Oh, wow. <laughs> what I wanted to find out, and uh, I got a couple of the teens listening right now. Y'all ready? We're ready. Uh, I wanted to find out, they, and one of the kids, had, and I hear them talking about people with higher salaries. What about lower income? Where can they go in Mississippi? to uh, learn how to better their their tax, learn more about the tax breaks. Um, if they're making less than 15000 a year, what it, how to learn how to use the investments. You know, one of the kids asked me, they said, uh, well, my boss tells me I got certain benefits, but being that I'm part-time, I don't qualify for a lot of the benefits they tell me. And that's a dollar, you know at one of the stores. I don't want to mention their name. But uh, that made a good question because, you know, we don't really teach that in our schools like we need to. And and, I, and I'm hoping Mississippi would be one of the first to teach them how to invest, what it is to write a check, what it is to not overdo your credit cards, what it is to not always, always understand that your moms have to pay bills and soon you will and how to avoid always asking, asking, instead of giving, giving. But, the, the, mm-hmm. you know, so so I just want to get an idea of where can they go. You know, it's tax season, it's over, but where mm-hmm. can they go to learn more about tax breaks yeah. and I, investments? I want to say, because you mentioned your teenagers, we had on a couple of weeks ago uh, Selena Schwartzfeiger from Mississippi Council on Economics economic education and they are pushing to and they have actually successfully pushed to have a personal finance course be a part of the core high school curriculum one of the credits required for graduation i'm not sure if they still how, how how they how they treat those credits these days but that is a required course now i'm not sure when that will start but they have been for years and years and years and they cover the whole state and i i don't know i, I know they have folks in every district I don't know that they have trained teachers in every school, but 
they train teachers to teach all of those things which you just mentioned. So when when I hear folks say they don't teach this in schools, well, in Mississippi, they either already do or they're about to, and we absolutely have an excellent organization who is doing that. So the Mississippi Council on Economic Education, they not only are training the teachers, providing them with workshops, providing them with curriculum, providing them with lesson plans, they also have resources. For, this is a, a little less, but they have resources for parents, and I believe when we spoke with her last, they were doing a large event. It wasn't in a school. It was just anyone could come, and it was designed for families with children to come and learn different aspects and participate in kind of a, a personal economics, personal finance fair of some sort uh, with all sorts of different elements to that. So if you're looking for a very good resource there, Mississippi Council for Economic Education. Also, speaking of uh, tax credits for low-income folks, since we are on the topic of IRAs, there is a tax credit called the Savers Credit. And for I, I, I have no idea what the income limits for that are, but it is to encourage uh, folks in lower-income brackets to save into a, I believe, a Roth or a traditional IRA. A Roth makes more sense in a low-tax bracket. Essentially, you get a some of it may be refundable. I don't know 100% the status of it right now, but say you put $500 into a Roth IRA, you can get a credit for 250 It was fairly generous on smaller contributions, as I remember. So that is something, and it can go to offset other taxes that you go, and it can even be refunded to you. Danny, tell your teens if they want to build wealth, there are two keys. The first is you have to save. And I know that's hard mm -hmm. on a lower income, but yeah. if you can develop that discipline just to save a little bit, to delay purchases and save a little bit. The second part of that to really build wealth is you have to learn about investing, stocks, bonds, mutual funds. Go to the library, pick up a book, go online, learn about that. If you can combine those two, saving on a disciplined level on a regular basis and learning how to put that money to work for you, you are going to build wealth. Also, the uh, Council on Economic Education, their website, mscee.org. Let's close out the show with one final call, and it's Isabella calling in from New Orleans. Good morning. You're on the air with us. Hi. Good morning. I have a quick question, and thanks for taking my call. Um, if you save uh, with a employee um, tax-deferred retirement account all your life, and you live in a state that is, has both income tax and federal tax, obviously, but then before you start withdrawing, you move to a state that has no um, income tax, and that's considered income, will you then be able to forego the, at least the state income tax and only have to pay federal tax on your um, yeah. when you start collecting your retirement. That, that, that is correct, because the the state income tax is just assessed in the state where you're a resident when the income is incurred. So, yes, if you are in a state that taxes 
the state that taxes income and and you defer a lot of that and then you move to a uh, a tax haven say a tax haven like Washington uh even the state of Mississippi does not tax retirement income so your IRA withdrawals in the state of Mississippi are not taxable income in the state you still owe the taxes to the federal government, of course, because they will see you wherever you are in the world. But the state is just where you are. Okay. And then just um, along those same lines, if you move abroad, you still pay federal tax if you officially move abroad. That is beyond my area of expertise because you're talking about a whole different ball game and how that flows through. I, you'll have to talk to a CPA. Often, yes, but uh, that is a situation where you would talk to a CPA. Okay. Thank you so much. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, thanks for the call. Got about a minute left. Um, go to any financial institution to set up an IRA. How do you open one? Well, you can open one online. It's very easy these days, but certainly you can go to a financial institution. You can go to a local bank, a broker, a financial advisor, um, open up an account online through a self-directed, like a, a Schwab or a Vanguard. Any of those will allow you to do it on your own. Um, and then, Ryder, will you get a statement, or do you need to keep track of things on your own, or possibly both? I would say both. While custodians and financial institutions have gotten much, much, much better of keeping track of information and making that available to you, the responsibility ultimately does fall on the individual. If there's a mistake, you don't get that statement. You need to know what you've done as well. All right. Great show today. A lot of good phone calls. Thanks, folks, for calling in to participate in Money Talks this morning. Money Talks is a production of MPB Think Radio, funded in part by generous financial support from listeners. To hear today's show or a previous show, you can find it at moneytalks.mpbonline.org. Or listen to the podcast by searching for Money Talks on your preferred podcasting app. Our show is produced by Liz Gill, and our call screener is Java Chapman. So for Dr. Nancy Lotridge-Anderson and Ryder Taff, I'm Kevin Farrell. Join us every Tuesday at 9 for Money Talks on MPB Think Radio. podcast.